peace of Christ be with you. Let us begin by taking a few deep breaths that we might ground ourselves in the presence of the living spirit. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Will you join with me in our call to worship? Love is patient. Let us pray for patience. Love is kind. Let us pray for kindness. Love does not boast. Let us pray for humility. Let's join together now in our opening hymn. listening to us wherever you are and even whenever you're listening to us or joining us in worship we want to give you a welcome if there's more you'd like to know about this wonderful community of Westminster go to our website wpctiburon.org or of course you're welcome to peruse the channel that you found us here whether it's YouTube Facebook Spotify however would you please join me in our community prayer Gracious and generous God, you create us good. You give us many gifts. 
You give us amazing capacities for care and understanding. Sometimes, however, we squander these gifts or fail to fully employ them. Sometimes we choose to pay lip service to a better, deeper way and miss the deeper meanings of your love. Sometimes we conceive of love too narrowly and miss love's grand calling. Open us to the depths of love's calling and its transformative power in the world. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad, mountaintop and valley deep. Your footsteps are our guide, your hands are our support. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have knocked and are grateful that you open the door. Open our hearts and minds to your spirit. May this time together cause us to love you and especially to love one another. Amen. For our time of discovery this morning, I am here by our baptismal font. Let me get a picture of that for you. That should look familiar to many of you. Now, I'm guessing that many of you were baptized here at Westminster, probably as a baby, so you may not remember it. You likely don't remember it. I certainly don't remember my baptism. My parents tell me that I cried throughout the whole thing. But what you may remember is witnessing and participating in the baptism of someone else here at Westminster. In fact, for our baptisms, we have a special children's covenant. When you, the children of Westminster, make special promises to the person being baptized. Maybe this sounds familiar. You promise to help the person to know God's love and to grow up to be caring and helpful. But that makes me wonder, how do we do that? How do we help someone know God's love? How do we help them grow up to be caring and helpful? Well, maybe one thing we do is that we model that ourselves. We ourselves are caring and helpful. We ourselves share God's love. And you know what? We don't have to do that just with someone who is baptized here at Westminster. We can do that with anyone and everyone in our lives. We can show God's love. We can be caring and helpful. And in that way, we live out our baptismal promises. So I hope you'll go over to YouTube or to your favorite podcast station and check out our Sunday School lesson, which talks a whole lot more about Jesus' baptism. And maybe ask the adults in your life about your own baptism. Maybe there are some fun stories that don't involve you crying through the whole thing. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. This has been another week full of ups and downs, and I'm sure that Rob will comment on 
to some extent to, about the events of this past week. Uh, there have been other things that have happened that are probably far more personal to you uh, that aren't as public, uh, publicly well-known as some events, and those are just as important to this community. So as we come to our time of sharing of joys and concerns, things that are on your heart, whether they be good or bad, I want to again encourage you to use our chat boxes so that we can be in prayer together, not just today, but ongoing. You may be like me, I forget what I'm praying about, so I actually sometimes uh, have gone back to the worship services just to find those things and, and to follow up again in prayer. As we come together in prayer today, I'd like to have a moment of quiet, uh, a couple moments of quiet. Would you please pray with me? God, as we uh, have this time of prayer as a church family, as sisters and brothers gathered in your name, these are the words that we would use to describe how we feel or how we have felt this past week. And God, as we all see from the comments that have been written and posted and hide within our heart, so we just don't currently carry the wherewithal to write them publicly. God, give us wisdom. Give us guidance. Forgive us for not loving one another and being kind to one another. Give us the strength, courage, and love to do so. May we do so, Lord, as your Son, Jesus Christ, did. And may we begin praying as he prayed when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
If you didn't know, my pattern each week is to sit down and write the first draft of my sermon on Wednesday mornings. It gives me the rest of the week to make edits. This week was no different. The first thing I did was to sit down and write the first draft of my sermon. And it was only afterwards that I saw what was transpiring in our nation's capital. Now, I have no fully rewritten sermon for you, not because I'm averse to doing that work, but because I've learned that such full rewrites in the wake of traumatic events doesn't often go well, yielding the kind of wisdom the moment calls for. And as illustration of that, because quite frankly, I can't get past one singular question. What if those people who did that had been black? That's a sermon in its entirety. People carried signs with Jesus's name on it, erected a cross as part of their cause. On epiphany, on epiphany. Lord have mercy on us. Today's scripture reading is 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, 
then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three. And the greatest of these is love. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The love passage. Even those many outside the faith know it. I wonder how many of you have heard it read probably at a wedding. We elevate that form of relationship in our culture to a special status, for better or worse. I wonder how many of you had it read at your wedding. I wonder how many of you grew up in the Christian tradition, but perhaps another wing or church and so knew a different translation or had one that was more familiar, perhaps King James, which you'll notice doesn't use the word love. Do you remember? Faith, hope, and charity. And that's not a bad translation, actually. It's a better translation if you take into consideration the way love is often construed in our culture. We tend to privilege romantic love. We sentimentalize it. There's a Greek word for romantic love in the New Testament. It's not the one that Paul uses here. He uses a word that's closer to charity than it is to romantic love. It's a selfless love, a self-sacrificing love, a term that's used in the New Testament to describe how God loves humanity unconditionally, covenantally, it's the word used to describe the essence of God. Loving kindness, concerned with and committed to the well-being of the other. Mark Woods of Christianity Today writes, Paul's love is list isn't a statement of the dewy-eyed emotional state in which couples stand in front of the altar. It's a commitment to a rigorous practice of spiritual discipline in relation to the other, to other people in general, and not just the object of amorous desire. What Paul is referring to goes beyond the bounds of our romantic relationships, which isn't to say it shouldn't also be held up within them. But love has been watered down in our context, sentimentalized, and in doing so, perhaps it's lost its teeth to mix metaphors. We think of it as a feeling rather than a value. And in fact, in our culture, we esteem people for other values, other traits, characteristics. Above all, perhaps excellence, achievement, and so we hold up sports figures, business tycoons, Michael Jordan, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. Pick your favorite. I'm not saying, one, saying something one way or the other about those figures, just pointing out what we tend to elevate in our society. Do we elevate those who love well? Oh, aside from a yearly CNN special, heroes we call them and move on 
Mother Teresa, perhaps. That's not a bad example because she truly exemplifies outside of romantic relationship the kind of love that Paul is pointing to. One of you, Jim Allen, sent me this marvelous story from the Moth, a storytelling platform, uh, a vignette about a doctor who once treated Mother Teresa, and I won't give it all away because it's delightful and you should track it down and I'll send it to you if you can't find it. But what I love about it is it points out the tenacity of Mother Teresa and her ability to get things done, and that's a flavor of the kind of love to which Paul is pointing, are we as committed to that kind of love as a value as we are to our other values that we treasure? In the triptych, faith, hope, and love, Paul says the greatest of these is love or charity, which is a remarkable and probably surprising statement if you slow down long enough to think about it. We might expect religion to uphold faith above all others. Maybe even hope for how it motivates us above the feeling of love. There's something to be learned by putting love at the center, this particular kind of love. For one, it's rooted firmly in the present. Think of that. Faith is about trust, trusting God, that it will be all right, that we will be okay, that things will work out. It's rooted in the future to a degree. Hope certainly hangs on the future. But love lives firmly in the now. Love is how you live out your faith, how you live out your trust, how you live out the hope you have. Because it's acting as if you believe your hopes will come true. It's a statement lived out that you believe your beliefs are well placed. Faith comes and goes. Hope waxes and wanes depending on the moment for most of us. But love is something we can practice regardless of how we feel at the moment because love is a commitment. And it's not abstract. It's not philosophical. It's not about conjecture. It's concrete. I've told you many a time before that I grew up going to a Christian summer camp and the motto was God is first and the other is second and I am third. And on the first night of each week, we would have a devotion in the evening when we talked about what that motto meant. And I remember one year, one of my friends who I knew over many years there, in fact, I'm still in touch with him today, said, I don't really know what putting God first means. I don't know if I even understand that anymore. But I believe that if I put the other before myself, that I will be putting God first. You may have trouble getting your head around God or having faith in this moment or that. But if you dedicate yourself to loving others, 
not denying yourself altogether, but considering their needs as you consider your own, putting them before you. Watch as your experience of one you might call God expands. Each week I pick an image to go along with the worship preview. It's what gets posted on the web week after week when we gather in person indoors. It's what sits in the narthex for the six days leading up to the next week's worship. This week the image I have is of a simple single line drawing of a figure, a person, underneath a big red heart. Now, I phrase it that way because it's not entirely clear if the person is holding up the heart, which is what I first assumed, or is hanging on to it, which is what I later wondered. And that's the beauty of the image. Because in choosing to hold up love as a discipline and as a practice and as a commitment, we find that love also lifts us up. It empowers us to do what we previously thought possible. When you act out of love, what was possible, impossible, becomes possible. That is the miracle of love at the center. What if love became our center, our primary commitment? And I don't just mean the dewy-eyed sort of feeling that Woods described or is exemplified by Hallmark every year about this time. There is a place for that. Well, with the movies, I, we can debate later. But no, what if love in Paul's sense became our standard, not just for our romantic relationships, but for all our relationships, for all our relating with the world around us? What if it became the organizing principle of our communities? What if it was the basis on which we constructed our public policies? Because if we do not have love at the center of all these things, then they are but noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. You can have all the mysteries, all the knowledge in the world, all the power you can imagine, all the faith. But if you do not have love, you have nothing. Love, which is patient, which is kind, which is not envious or boastful or arrogant, or rude. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. In the end, it may be the perfect thing to recite at the altar. So long as you remember that the whole world is an altar. Amen.
with the beginning of a new year, many of our normal activities are getting back underway, many of them via Zoom. Uh, just a couple of examples. Our Spiritual Life Commission is hosting their spiritual book club. Even if you have not joined in in the past, they're starting a new book this month, and you're welcome to join with them. If you'd like more information, see Coral Kissaberth or Stefan Bartshot. In addition, our Women Connecting Group will be meeting again at the last Tuesday of the month. If you want more information about that, you can see our e-news or our website. And again, those are the best ways to find out information about what's going on in the life of the church, either the e-news, which is emailed to you each week, or the website, wpctiburon.org. Or if you have questions or are looking for ways to get involved, don't hesitate to reach out to one of us on the staff, and we will be happy to plug you in. Let's join together now in our closing hymn. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, who is father and mother of us all, the love of God, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen.